I have a lot of friends that are bloggers and, and they're saying, well, I search keywords to see what I should write about, what's going to be the most popular. And I go, huh, I write about what I want for dinner, but I don't base what I'm going to write based on how I think it'll do. You know, I've written some simply because I wanted to write about it because I think it's too good not to share. And a lot of these recipes I have made thousands of times. So they're time tested. They're not made with exotic ingredients. They're made with simple ingredients. Like, I, you know, I always tell people to cook what they like to eat. And if my recipe has something in it they don't like to eat, well, swap it out with something that you do like. flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown, a series of inspirational conversations with renowned culinary leaders. Discover how their cultural identity shapes their creative process with your host, Emmanuel. Dennis Letley was a chef. He is now a food blogger. His blog is called Ask Chef Dennis. You can find it at AskChefDennis.com. He has more than 8.5 million page views per year. I am your host, Emmanuel LaRoche. I have been in the food industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the US. And every other week, I have conversations with chefs, pastry chefs, mixologists, and other food experts to talk about what made them successful. You can follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can subscribe to our newsletter at flavorsunknown.com. Today with Dennis Litley, we talk about how he built his business, the secrets for being a successful food blogger, and his favorite travel adventures. Dennis, nice to meet you and welcome to the show. Thank you very much and thanks for having me on your show today. I appreciate that. I'm really excited to have you. And uh, I was wondering when I was preparing, you know, the show and preparing to have you on, on it, how should I describe you? Should I describe you as a chef or as a food journalist? Or uh, both? Well, I always tell people I'm not a journalist. I'm not going to give you that of uh, the great American novel or anything. I'm a blogger. If you want to call me anything, you call me a blogger. We had this discussion with some of our more seasoned travel writers or and we that's that's where i came up with not being a journalist i, I don't want to take their thunder you know even if i might have more followers than they do i'm a blogger so but I'm, I'm my wife says i say i'm uh i'm a retired chef but she says no you're still a chef you know you're you never lose that so so how did you get interested in, in cooking? Well, I, I love to eat. So that was the first lead in. And my mother was a nurse and she worked nights. So she would be home during the day for us. And if I wanted to eat during the summer, she was sleeping, I would make something. And I really kind of got interested in more in it when I think it was in eighth grade. And there was a guy on TV whose name was Graham Curry, was the Galloping Gourmet. He was from New Zealand and he had that accent and uh, you know, he was just fun to watch and he'd bring people down from the audience and they would uh, literally moan when they ate his food. And I think that always stuck with me. That resonated that, you know, wow, what a great way to make people happy. My artistic, you know, I don't have a lot of talent in a lot of areas. You know, uh, I can't draw a straight circle or a round circle. <laughs> I don't even know it's round. Musical, I was average. So cooking was something that I had that artistic flair for. So that's where okay. I could express myself. 
Okay, so you you followed like a, a traditional culinary school and education. Well, I went to school for food science, but my culinary training came hands-on as an apprentice. I, I did it okay. the old-fashioned way, working with two chefs who taught me all the different aspects of the kitchen and how to work at, you know, cutting meats, how to, you know, prepare seafood, order, see, you know, all the ordering, everything that went into it, managing the, the kitchen. Uh, so. Okay. And then, so what happened, at, uh, what made you move from being in the kitchen and being an, an instructor, even, even in the kitchen as well, to food blogging? Well, I started the food blog. My last job was at an all-girls high school. And it was, uh, you know, they had said, you know, you want this job. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not ready to retire. Because basically that was in my mind. That was going to happen. I was going to sit there and just veg out with nothing to ever do. But when I got there, it was just the opposite because I had free free reign. And let me tell you something. Girls, when there's no boys in the school, they love to eat. And they will eat passionately. And, and they thought they had died and gone to heaven when I started cooking and just... It was, it was just wonderful at that point. And they reinvigorated me. They got me more passionate about cooking again. I could make anything and they would try it. You know, they were just, you know, not all of them, but, you know, there were a lot of them that were very adventurous. And uh, that kind of really got me rolling again. And that's when I started the culinary program. So I started teaching them. And when I started the culinary program, I, blogging was brand new. This was in 2009. And I said, oh, let me, let me, I heard this thing about blogging. Let me start a blog so the girls have somewhere to go to get recipes and to, to write back to me. And wasn't sure how it worked, but I thought uh, it worked like that. So uh, none of them ever went. They, they wanted to come to me in the office and talk to me directly. They didn't want to go through, through that channel. But I started picking up readers around the world. And when I started getting that, it was just like, wow, this is really leading to something unexpected. But when I finally retired from the kitchen, my body was just, I wasn't supposed to cook anymore. I had been sent there basically because my hands were shot. I had carpal tunnel in both hands. Oh, wow. My back was going and it was like, all right, you, you better go into management now and just take it easy. But I'd have none of that. And after eight years, I was pretty much done at age okay. at age 59. <laughs> I, was, I was prematurely retiring. So I, I got out of there and came to Florida and really started doing more with my blog. I started doing a lot of live streaming. I was one of the pioneers of live streaming uh, with uh, Google Hangouts when before oh, wow. yeah, before anybody was doing them. And uh, that's kind of what drove me into notoriety and really started building my following because I was doing what Google wanted people to do with their platform. And because of that, they rewarded me. And I was on the follow page with, oh, uh, with uh, Martha Stewart and Rachel Ray and Anthony Bourdain and Emeril Lagasse. And here's yeah, Chef. Where they are the right yeah, time. And here's Chef Dennis. I'm like, oh, I don't know how this happened, but yeah, I'll take it. So how did you decide which recipe you wanted to select and the inspiration behind like the all those restaurant style recipe that you put on well, your they're blog. basically recipes that I made all during my career. You know, I, I was a chef in restaurants for a long time and, yeah. you know, I created a lot of different recipes. I, I wish I had written them down at this point. You know, I, I thought I could keep everything in my mind and, you know, <laughs> we know how that works over time. They're still up there if I could find them all. But I just started recreating the recipes that I remembered. I, I had kept 
copies of a lot of my menus from different places. So I had that to go on. The specials that I created would have been nice to run more of. But, you know, things start to come back to me. But basically, I have a lot of friends that are bloggers and and they're saying, well, I search keywords to see what I should write about, what's going to be the most popular. And I go, huh, I write about what I want for dinner. They probably don't like you. No, they you don't. Not that's with all no. the work. <laughs> After I decide that and I write it, I'm not. I'm not a dummy. Then I go in and look at the keywords to see what to put sure. in. But I don't base what I'm going to write based on how I think it'll do. You know, I've written some simply because I wanted to write about it because I think it's too good not to share, and it'll get like you know 50 people a year searching for it. So it's like, <laughs> so what? What make those recipes like different from? other recipes, you know, that you can find on the internet, because there's a lot of sites with there recipes. Sure are. I, I think mine are different because they're chef tested, you know, it, you know, I, and I'm not saying that with an ego. It's just that, you know, I've spent a lot of time in the kitchen and a lot of these recipes I have made thousands of times over my career of cooking. So they're time tested. They're not made with exotic ingredients. They're made with simple ingredients. Like, I, you know, I always tell people to cook what they like to eat. And if my recipe has something in it they don't like to eat, well, swap it out with something that you do like. You know, it, they're very, okay. things are interchangeable. You know, they're, they're not set in stone, you know, unless it's baking. Baking gets a little more technical, but for just yeah. cooking for dinner. And it shouldn't take more than 15, 20 minutes to make. You know, that's the other thing, because in the restaurant, if I'm making things, unless it was something I had to really cook all day to get a paredia sauce or something had to cook down or I had to roast a big piece of meat, it's not going to take that long. You know, it's going to be in the pan or on the grill or, you know, I'm, I'm going to be cooking it to order as you come in. So that's basically how I want you to cook at home. I want you to see what you have in your refrigerator. If you have fish you want to cook. Well, what else can we put with it? Or you have chicken. What else can we go with it? What do you have in the refrigerator that we can add to that? Do you want to grill it? Do you want to bake it? Do you want to saute it? You know, all of these different options of how to prepare it. So I think that's where my recipes come in a little different. It's coming from a chef's viewpoint with a lot of the different options. And, and that's something I've started to add on my recipes or all these options. You know, before it was like, this is the one way that I kind of cooked it. And then I learned, hey, you got to be more flexible. You know, even with people with air fryers, you know, yeah, you can air fry this, you know, if, if you want to. So it's, it's all about like the versatility of, and the, the, the possibility to substitute yeah. ingredients. ingredients yeah, right? you know, I would tell my girls in school, it was, this isn't rocket science. This is food. I like you call them your girl. <laughs> they were, well, I could do that back. <laughs> Very affectionate. Yes, yeah. yeah, they were great. They were the best. I really, I miss them. Smart talented you know they were just all of them went to college friendly just they were they were good good people and their parents appreciated what we did for them in the school your wife mentioning to you that uh, you know you're still a chef and so you you still find time to for cooking yeah she can't she couldn't cook to save her life so if i want to eat <laughs> i find time for cooking <laughs> So what style of cooking do you enjoy the most? Uh, You know, I really like just doing stuff in a saute pan. I I love seafood. And being back in New Jersey, you know, I had a lot of access to it in Florida. But being back in New Jersey, I have a lot more stuff close by. I I was in the middle of the state in Florida. But we love seafood. We love pasta. 
do a lot of, I don't like to do a lot of sauces. I can, but I like to keep them more natural for, so I want to taste what I'm cooking. That's basically what it is. You know, sauces have their place, but I like to, if the protein won't stand up on its own, like if it's a piece of fish and it doesn't taste good without a sauce, I don't want to hide it. You know, I, I want, I'm be able to taste the flavor. It should be fresh, you know, salt, pepper, olive oil on a lot of things, but, or, you know, just making a quick sauce in a saute pan. My wife loves clams and linguine, and that's one of the easiest things you'll ever make. So how do you do it? Well, it, you know, it takes about 10 minutes. The, the longest thing is just washing the clams to get all the sand and grit out of them. And once you do that, then it's a chopped garlic, olive oil, crushed red pepper. Let that saute for a little bit just to get some heat under the garlic and put the clams in. If you want to add wine, we, we add it later, but you can add it then too. And I cover it, let them steam open. And basically they cook faster. I used a Checo pasta and that takes 11 minutes. So the clams cooking about eight and <laughs> the pasta takes 11. So they sit and finish steaming, but they just steam when they open, they're done. And then I re-season them with, uh, I have garlic powder, onion powder, black pepper. If you want to add wine, when they're just about done steaming, you can throw a little white wine in there and let it you know, pick up the flavor, let it cook off the alcohol. And like I said, eight minutes to cook the clams, 11 minutes to cook the pasta, and uh, dinner's served. Very good. So beside the clams here that uh, your wife love, what are you Top three go-to recipe. My top three. Okay. She loves chicken marsala. That's always a good one too. And I am probably the only chef in the world that will tell you to use sweet marsala, not dry. Okay. I prefer the, the flavor of it. And it's not that it's sweet. It's just not dry. It's just the classification. That is one of them. I love crab cakes and that's something that, and I started making salmon cakes. And, and strangely enough, because I said we eat more fish, we eat a lot of fish. It's crazy. I buy Alaskan salmon. I buy salmon that's $26 a pound. I make salmon cakes out of them. Oh, I know. It's crazy. That's <laughs> expensive. But they're, good, but they're good salmon cakes. They really are. But, you know, for me, it's what do I have in the refrigerator? You know, if I have chicken... And I want to make chicken and broccoli, you know, if I have broccoli or if I have asparagus, maybe I'll saute up the chicken with some asparagus and just like a light butter wine sauce, you know, you know, something, just something like that. Something easy, a tasty, again, we eat better than we should, but we eat fairly simply too. I always have shrimp in the house, so we can always make something out of shrimp. So we talk about, you know, the food part, but obviously I am intrigued with the success, you know, of of your your blog and and social media because you have a tremendous number of followers on the different channels. So, do you know a little bit what are like the profile of the people that are reading like your blog and engaging with you? It's the demographics have been changing over the years. At one point, the largest number were women, and in the thirty to forty year old range that were looking for recipes. As time has gone on. I have almost as many men as women looking at my site, and the demographics have, have grown to they're almost even across the different age, age groups, starting probably at 25. And, and then they're, they're like, you know, I see 18%, 20%, you know, 19%, 22%, you know, so they're, they're very even. So I think I'm just starting to appeal to a full range of people, which was what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to mystify cooking. I want you to find, I always tell people, I want you to find the joy of cooking. 
So it looks like it's starting to work that way. Okay. Very good. And there's the secrets of your success, you know, as a blogger, the secret sauce. The secret to success is to be flexible. What do you mean by that? Through the years, anytime something would change as a blogger, we have to adapt. And there's a good percentage of my friends that are bloggers that just will complain about it and fight it and don't want to adapt. So I learned early on, you you pick your battles. There's certain things you want to fight about. Google is not one of the people you want to fight with. Okay, you either do what they say or you get very lonely because no one's coming to your blog. That's a good point. But, you know, even with with different social media, like Google Plus was a love-hate relationship, and most of my friends hated it. I loved it because I got to meet people all over the world. I had friends all over the world that I could talk to just like this all day long. And it really broadened my reach. It taught me a lot, just, you know, because you learn something from everybody you talk to. And because I had friends all over the world, I was getting a really unique perspective on things and, and how they viewed life and how they viewed social media and how they viewed the internet. And that I think that was like the turning point with me knowing, well, this is what I have to do. I have to accept that the change has been made, whether I like it or not. And just keep moving forward. You know, Facebook has been nothing but change and it drives me crazy, but you have to be there. I have a large following there. So besides being flexible, so there's like two other things that you know that make your blog successful? I write what people want. I mean, I I think what's successful is, I, like I said, I, I write what I want for dinner. Well, it's, it's what I made in the restaurants. And as a chef, I, I knew what sold. I knew what people wanted, I, they, what they would buy night after night. So I, I kind of gauge it that way as to, to, to what people wanted. So I, I kept my recipe simple as possible to, without a lot of strange ingredients or things people didn't know what they were. So the success part of that, I think that helped a great deal. And, and the fact that I just, I just kept hammering at it. And every time I would take a step backwards, I would dust myself off and I would just charge ahead, ahead again. You know, I wasn't going to let this beat me. I, w- I, was, I just wanted to be successful. I just wanted to really mm-hmm. prove myself uh, as this. And again, I surround myself by a lot of smart people. I guess it's not, you know, one person, no, correct? It takes a village. It, it is. I mean, I have an <laughs> SEO guy that, that does audits and he tells me where things should be and what I'm doing wrong and, and people choose not to listen to him. And, you know, you're paying him amount of And you decide to listen yeah, to him. You pay him amount of money and then you don't do what he says and you say, well, it's not working. Well, it's not working because you didn't do it. You know, you know, I have people I had, I hired VAs. One of the things I learned was to outsource what I really didn't like to do or I didn't have a passion for. So I hated Pinterest. So I hired someone that loved Pinterest and, and they did a great job for me in getting a lot of traction to my blog. I didn't have time to do certain things. So I started outsourcing and hiring people. So you find people that are good at what they do, that have a passion about what they do. So you can do what you want to do and what you're passionate about. Because so, otherwise, you know, it'll kill you. There's so many aspects. I always talk blogging is like painting a bridge. When you get done at one end, it's time to start at the other end again. So with everything we need to do to update, you know, we're always constantly updating posts for SEO or adding this. Or now they want 
frequently asked questions. So every time I update a post, I have to put FAQs in. You know, there was a new block with Gutenberg that shows pictures instead of just links. So we have to change that out. And it's like, ah, it's like one more thing. But if I want to be seen, you know, this is the secret. Yeah, yeah. If there's anything that you guy from the SEO, any tip that you can you can share? Well, it's I don't know if it's so much one tip, but it's it's learning how to adapt to what is current. I mean, when Google started Google Plus, they referred to it as the grand experiment. Search is basically the grand experiment with them. It changes based on how they feel they can be better at it or what they can do better. So for SEO, it's all about seeing what you need to do. Like, you know, page speed is very important part of it, you know, and being seen. But SEO is not just about keywords. It's about a lot of the other words that are used to describe that keyword. So it, it kind of, there's multi layers. It's like an onion. You peel it and there's more words. Like I had, I hired a company to help me with some of my posts. And one of my posts was for fried shrimp. And he says, you got to put the word crispy in there. He says, Google picks up on it. So, you know, it's learning and it's almost. So you learn how to write your post like very different. Yeah. I mean, I used to write more along the lines of a chef, maybe writing his special. And then I realized I wasn't writing it correctly. Instead of you'll love my restaurant style fried shrimp is like my crispy fried shrimp, golden brown and a light batter, you know, succulent sweet, you know, it's, that's what they're picking up keywords like that. So SEO is getting, it's learning, like the machines are learning what would make like it goes, oh, the machine's going, oh, succulent sweet shrimp. That sounds much better than just you'll love my fried shrimp. So you know, they're, they're learning. The machines are getting smarter. Okay. So how do you do that with the person that you are working with? So are you sharing in advance with him the topic that you want to, to focus on the blog? And it, and it gives you some feedback on things that you need to use in the way you are writing? Well, we or? go over the old posts. I have another tool I use called Rank IQ which is really good. And so when I write my new posts, I use Rank IQ. New posts, I, I you know, I rarely, it, it's unusual that one will do really well out of the box. I mean, it takes time and builds. So I, I just did a, an oven baked baby back rib and that just took off right out of the box for whatever reason. But I used Rank IQ to help dial in the right keywords, you know, afterwards, you know, like I said, I don't make what I want to eat based on them. But after I decide what I want to eat, you know, I go and look and see, well, what should it have in it sure. and try and, you know, and you don't use, you know, sometimes you can't use everything they, they have because it, it just doesn't sound like me. It's still got to sound like me. People come to me because I have a, a, a way I speak or write. So, and that's what they like. You know, if I start writing like everybody else, like I see some blogs and I go, ah, that just seems like it's just cookie cutter. You know, it could be, there's so many of them. One thing I see that just makes me crazy is now these pins all have, they all look the same. They all have the ingredients listed on them and written out and they're all the same color and they're all the same, you know, they all look, it could be for anything. So generic. So you, know, you kind of lose your identity if you do that. When it comes to social media, what, what are like the channels that you use? Well, I use Twitter a lot. I love Twitter. Okay. Waiting to see what Elon Musk does. But <laughs> I, I've always enjoyed Twitter. Well, I didn't always enjoy it. I learned to like it. And then I kind of stuck with it. Facebook, I use because you have to. 
Instagram, I used to really like that a lot. And it's kind of gotten more, more professional than just, you know, you it was supposed to be a picture with your phone that you took and now everything's got to be polished and professional and even down to the, the videos. I, I'm not a big fan of, of reels. I know people love them. I like to watch some of them, but I like pictures more than the short videos that kind of get, just get monotonous after a while. So, you know, I, I use them all. Like I say, Twitter's probably a favorite. Facebook gets me some good action. Instagram does well for me. Pinterest, starting to build back up. I just hired a new company to work for me on Pinterest. And their idea pins are doing real well. Lots of impressions, not a lot of traffic. <laughs> okay. So we're working on the traffic end of it. And and not on TikTok yet? I am on TikTok, but I just, again, you know, I when video started, when video got easy, the challenge was gone. I stopped doing it. When, <laughs> when I was on Google Plus and you had to... Oh my God, there were so many things you had to do just to come on live and hope that it stayed live. When Facebook started and all you did is you just push this button, that's it. Oh my God, that was too easy. It took all the fun out of it for me. But I, I am, my granddaughter says I need to be back on TikTok. I have a TikTok account. I was hoping she'd get a little older and I could just make her do them for me. But this is not how it works. I know. I know. <laughs> well, I was says, you know, you can make a lot of money as an influencer. You could put yourself through college. You know, start with start with grandpa's recipes. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I asked my son to make his into music and I asked him to make like the 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 music from uh you know, like the introduction from my podcast and I am on season four. I'm still waiting. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we just moved again. My kitchen is halfway torn apart and getting redone. I do have three new cameras that I bought for video. So I, I'm trying, I'm getting myself nice. mentally there. So if I can get it set up the way I want and I can do it, I, I know I need to start doing them and you know, not just for TikTok, but they're so... You can do so much with them. Like, you know, one video for TikTok can go on Instagram Reels. It can go on Facebook. It can go. There's so much things you can repurpose these for. So it is good to do. So I, I do understand that. So it's just a matter of me kind of getting back in form and starting to adapt again. Every now and then I remind myself that I'm retired, that I'm I'm going to be 69 this year. And I just want to sit in front of the TV for a while. But I don't think this is your no, future. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> I have an exciting news to share with you now. During the pandemic, I wrote a book based on the common threads and insight I had gained into how culinary leaders think. My book, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door, builds upon this podcast and focuses on key learnings from my discussions with 50 top culinary leaders combined with my experiences in the food industry. Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door offers an insider's look into culinary trends through the words of acclaimed and professionally recognized chefs, pastry chefs, and mixologists. The book will be published on November 8th, but you can already pre-order it wherever you buy books online. Thank you in advance for your support. So, and if you would meet Dennis, you know, like... At the beginning of your career, what would you do differently if you had to start all over again? I would have told him to really pay attention to SEO sooner and, and to stop whining and do step-by-step -step pictures right away. 
because that was, I, I hated them. Oh, and they were saying, you have to do them. I says, no, I don't. I'm not doing them. You know, and then when I started doing them, I saw such good results, you know, and now people will write and they'll say, oh my God, your instructions, your step-by-step pictures are so easy to follow. And I'm like, ah, oh, I know, I know I have to do more of them, but you know, it takes more work. So I was all about just taking one picture and that was it. But yeah, I, I would tell myself that if, if I could give myself any advice is start doing step-by-step right away and SEO isn't just three letters together. Learn what they mean. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Very good. And so you do a lot of travels as well, correct? You're still doing a lot of travels. So how how do you approach and and prepare your your trip? And of course, there's a food focus. Yeah, I, I found early, I had a big awakening. A friend told me to apply for there was a motel looking for bloggers that was on the Atlantic coast of Florida. I said, you know, I'm not a travel blogger. She goes, oh, no, no, go ahead, apply, apply. So I did. And I went and I was late applying and they said, sure, we'd love to have you. And I got the worst room. So the third floor wasn't, hadn't been redone yet. They were doing first floor, second floor, third. They were still on the first floor, but they had put in nine foot sliding glass doors that opened to the Atlantic Ocean. So I'm in this room, this, eh, but I'm looking out these doors at the ocean and going, I can do this. You know, it was that write it and they will send you. And I started local and I always tell people, if you want to be a travel blogger, start local, do your hometown, then go out a little further, then go out a little further, then just keep going out until you enter the next state and just write about things, you know, make it easy because you have to build up material. You have to build up People just won't automatically send you places because, you know, sure. you're because you're a nice guy. You know, you have to have a, a pull, a draw. I was lucky because I had all my food blogging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have some I, yeah, I had it yeah. already. Yeah. So, you know, they say I want to come and they go, oh, wow, sure. Okay. You know, and then the big turning point for me was when I got an email from Viking. You know, I'd been doing all Florida and then Viking says, oh, you meet our demographics. And first I went, yay, I'm old. Okay. <laughs> and then I went, oh my God, it's Viking. <laughs> and they've been very good to me. We have a good partnership, but they kind of threw me a curve on the first trip. I said, well, what do you want? And they went, we want you to have a good time. And I was like, oh crap, that puts the ball in my corner. So I had to, I seriously overproduced because they didn't give me yeah. an ask. And you didn't know. Yeah. You didn't know which direction. Yeah. They didn't say, we want a blog post. We want this. Yeah. You know, it's usually I know. And I was like, so I, I, and they were very happy and we've done four other trips with them. And in fact, they just contacted me again. You know, we, we were on the pandemic. Nobody was really doing much. Okay. And then okay. a couple other. So if one time you want to leave your wife, you know, at home, and I can, I can carry your legs, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm telling you, she won't go to Antarctica with me. So, you know, I might take you up on that. So I, 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 okay. I, I says, yeah, I'm, never going, been I'm going on that expedition. I travel all the yeah. time. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I love traveling. So. But no, traveling has uh, been, been fun. And I think just as I started doing it, culinary travel started to become a thing. Because I would, as I would talk to people from, from different companies and countries that were looking to bring people, it was about culinary, you know, because people, I, I wrote an article one time and I, I got called on it. This guy says, oh, he went to five UNESCO sites and never mentioned them, but he mentioned about all the different things you could eat. And I'm like, well, well yeah, everybody knows those UNESCO sites are there, but they don't know what you can eat while you're there. 
so I approach it, you know, we talk about what's there. Like my wife is really more helpful with my travel blogging because she will ask the questions that I think I don't want to know at the time. You know, it's like, what are you asking that for? And then later on, oh my God, I'm glad you asked that, you know, or she'll go take pictures of something more artsy or go to the museum that I didn't feel like going to. And I can weave that into the story a little too. So, you know, we have a, a good working relationship with that. But yeah, it's it's been fun getting to see. So you had like three favorite travel adventures that you can share? Yeah. Well, my first favorite travel adventure would be a Paris. Okay. That was the first. I can, I can relate yeah, to the that. The first place we ever went <laughs> together. And we walked into the hotel, this beautiful little boutique hotel with all this luggage. And the lady looked at us and goes, oh, le grand voyage. But I brought suits. She brought a fur. You know, it was like a... And then by the end, because we were dressed up for dinner, they appreciated us because we weren't the typical Americans that were going to dinner in jeans and a t-shirt. You know, was, I brought her flowers. And, you know, they, oh, they were, they loved that I brought flowers. You know, it's, you know, I was, I was, I was okay, you know. But that was like a magical trip. That was the best trip I think I've ever had in terms of just ex overall experience. And it, it got us, it put that bug in us to travel. That's really what started us loving travel. I've had so many good trips. A, a trip to Spain was wonderful. We went to Madrid and Barcelona and the things we got to see and do there, that, that always ranks high. Going to the food markets and trying all these different foods and La Bucaria. Yeah. Uh, oh, Barcelona, yeah. Barcelona, we went out. I went, I went, she didn't want to go. I went on a shrimp boat and then they actually grilled shrimp for me on the boat. You know, right. it was like, oh, and it's, do you want more? Do you want more? I'm like, oh my God, it was wonderful. We went to Greece and saw, again, so many, you know, beautiful old, you know, we talk about old things in the United States and it's 200 years, 300 years. Yeah. Talk about it in Europe and it's, you know, 2,000 years. I'm, I'm trying to think of what other... Ireland was a good one. They asked me to come and they said, we want you to help you dispel the myth that the Irish don't know how to eat. And I'm going, oh, God. Really? How am I going to do that? You know, I got there and the food was amazing. It was, it was better than I could have imagined. Everywhere we went, the food, I mean, the chefs have really geared up. They've really started to use, and it's all local. What we would call farm to table here is dinner. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's throughout most of Europe. It's just dinner. You know, it's farm to table. Yeah. Well, we, we make a big deal out of it. Well, why would you? It's dinner. You know, it's, that's kind of a thing. And so what's your next one? My next trip. Well, we had planned a trip to Sicily. And the pandemic, we're going to do Sicily. We're going to go back to Rome for like a week. Then we were going to go over to Croatia and take a cruise all the way around Italy and end up in Nice. Nice was wonderful. We, we spent a, a week yeah. there years ago. That was a great destination. I spent, I spent 18 years did you there. Really? So I know. Did you really? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I did. I uh, from eight, you know, from 18 to, you know, like 20 or more than that, 36. Yeah. So, yeah, I did all my, you know, university time in, in Nice. So. Yeah, that was a, a, a wonderful location. We got lucky that we had a really good hotel with a good air conditioner because that week we were there, it was on <laughs> you were, you godly were, hot. Yep. We went to Monaco you were lucky, from yeah. there and it almost melted in Monaco. It was just so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So I have a, one last question before, like a series of rapid fire one, but if there's any unintended benefits from blogging that you can share with us? 
you know, I'm not talking about like the partnership and a sponsor or, you know, or food and so on, but something that was, I don't know, people that you've met or, you know, something interesting that was unintended. Well, there's been, there's been a lot of people that I've met that I wouldn't have otherwise. There's been a lot of interesting people that I've made friends with. I have friends in Portugal that I would have never met. I have a friend in Milan that I would have never met. We talk all the time. I think that the greatest gift blogging has given me was is connected me with so many wonderful people has allowed me to in into their lives. It, it's, it, it, you know, it's given me some notoriety and that notoriety has helped me open doors. You know, I, I've gone in, re- people have taken me into restaurants that, you know, most people wouldn't even be able to get into in the back of the house. So I get to see things that are going on. So blogging is just, it's, it's enriched my life. You know, I, you know, the money's not bad either, but it's enriched my life. It's really made it a lot more interesting. So let's start with the, the rapid fire question. So you and I are going on a tasting tour in Summers Point in New Jersey. So what are like the five spots that you are going to take me okay, to? Okay, first we're going to go to Charlie's Bar because they make the best buffalo wings you're going to ever have. They are just fantastic, you know, and you can get them up to the heat level that'll kind of melt the inside of your mouth. I'm, I'm, I'm a sissy, so I get, I get mild, but they have a top gun that will take the skin off the inside uh-huh. of your mouth. But their, their wings are really good. They, they make them a little different. So we're going to start at Charlie's and we're going to have some wings. Okay. Then from Charlie's, we're going to go over to Manco and Manco Pizza. Because Manco and Manco makes this amazing pizza. In Florida, I couldn't get good pizza. It just, it's just impossible. It's just not something you could do. So they make a pizza and they make it a little different. And they usually people put the sauce on and then the cheese. Well, they spin it out. They put the cheese on. And then they have this hose with the sauce. And they just make like a swirl, a pinwheel kind of decoration with the sauce. And they bake it. And it's thin pizza and you have to fold it. I don't know. I guess in New York, you know about that. Yeah, about folding pizza to eat it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I learned okay. that. Yes. So, <laughs> so we have we've had we've had the chicken wings and the pizza. Okay. So then we're gonna go from there. We're going to go over to oh, where we're we gonna go. Oh, we're gonna go over to Gregory's. It's right down the street from from Charlie's. Okay. And at Gregory's, we're gonna have some tacos. Okay, because they have they they kind of invented Taco Tuesday. Okay. All right. They, I think they might have even trademarked that at one point. So they make some really good fish tacos and regular tacos. And, you know, it's a real nice treat. When we st- when I started, when I was younger, Gregory's, Charlie's, and the next stop is the Anchorage that we're going to. You used okay. to be able to get seven beers for a dollar. Oh my and they gosh. called it the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, we're going to go to the Anchorage. Yeah, it's a bit more than one dollar, I guess. Oh, now today. it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, they went from seven, <laughs> then it was six, and that's the last I remember. Oh, I think yeah, after that, it just doing went it. away. Yeah. But from there, we're going to go over to the Anchorage, and at the Anchorage, we're going to get a nice bowl of pasta with some seafood on it. They do. They're one of the better kind of full range restaurants in the area where they make. Okay. You know, you can get a, a fried seafood combo, or you can get pasta with some nice sauce in it, or you can get a burger. It's it's, and they do a real good job with that. Okay, I'm getting hungry. I know. Yes. I know. <laughs> now, there's actually two more stops. There's more than five because there's one one more place that you have to hit. That's 
it's one of those things that people just idolize and it's kind of you wouldn't think it was it's called smitty's clam bar and it's a little hole in the wall mm-hmm. and basically all they do is fried seafood but you can get some you know nice fried shrimp fried scallops they yeah. do some casseroles too but i i think their their strength is really in their fried seafood so you know that maybe we get a little fried flounder because we've already eaten quite a bit so we'll have a little little fried flounder and last stop is a new place that just opened up and it's called drip and scoop and they have all their homemade ice cream Nice. So we're going to get some homemade ice cream at Drip and Scoop. The, the Drip is coffee because they also do coffee, but I honestly have never gone in there for coffee. It's only for ice cream. <laughs> Thank you. What's your favorite guilty pleasure food? Oh, ice cream. Ice cream? Which, which flavor? These days I'm on to Mocha Crunch. Mocha Crunch? Yeah, I don't it's know a coffee huh? with a little crunch, and it's actually not – Trip and scoop that makes it. There's another ice cream bar down the street that makes it. You know all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but we we can't have it in the house. And when we first started going out, I told my wife we had a three day rule on ice cream. If I bought a half a gallon of ice cream, she had three days to have some. And after that, don't blame me if it wasn't in there. Oh my gosh! So I have since. I like your diet. Yeah, I know. Uh, and now we buy flavors that I really don't like to eat. You know, so she can have ice cream when she wants it because okay. she won't touch it for a month and then she wants it. But that's my guilty pleasure. I mean, I could eat it every day probably. So my last question: if There's a dream that you have not yet realized. Oh, so many have come true already. I think I, I would love to see New Zealand. Antarctica and Tahiti. That would be the trip. That would be the last. Oh wow! Yeah, that would not the last trip, but that would be that would make yeah. my traveling for me seem complete. So you said Tahiti, yeah. New Zealand, and Antarctica. Antarctica. Oh, that's the one I'm doing with yes. you. Okay, because they're Antarctica. all in the same location. I figure <laughs> if I got to fly that many hours, I'm going to take them all in one fell swoop. Australia, ah, you know, if I have something to do there, but I, I want to see New Zealand. New Zealand would be up on my that would that would be the la- that would be a dream come true if I could do any of those or all of them. Okay, okay, very good. Okay, Dennis, thank you very much for the the time that you have spent with me on the on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening today. If you want to connect with Chef Dennis Litley, you can do it through his website, askchefdennis.com. And you can follow him on Instagram and Facebook at Ask Chef Dennis. If you are passionate about cooking, you can download a recipe booklet for free with recipes given to me by some of the chefs featured on my upcoming book, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door. Go to my website, flavorsunknown.com, and click on the tab Recipe Booklet. Next week, my guests should be Chef Kelly Whitaker from Denver, Colorado. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at flavorsunknown and visit us at flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts.